0: Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Lock it alone!
1: Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel, we are energizing transporter beam, now. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to Star Trek from the holodeck. This is the Discovery Edition, and I'm your host, Captain Michael Flores. And in the studio today with me, as usual, is Insign David Sabal. Hello, Dave. How's it going, everybody? All right. So if you are new to our show, we cover a wide variety of Star Trek content, and you can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search from the holodeck. Our preferred podcast provider is iTunes. And we'd love for you to give us a five star rating and drop a review because it does trigger algorithms that help our show get discovered by other people. It helps our show grow, and we need that. Okay, so today, David, you and I are going to be discussing and breaking down Star Trek Season Four, Star Trek Discovery Season Four, Episode Four, titled All Is Possible. So this episode took a break mostly from the bigger story and focused on the sociopolitical. Yes. Which I did appreciate. Well, It it just felt like that
0: had to be like the Star Trek way, you know, like there's a certain, they touched on it in the last episode where me, me and you both agreed last episode was one of the first times ever we felt that discovery was telling us a Star Trek episode type story they followed up with this one which just doubles it down with the 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 political element but they were actually smart in sprinkling in a little of like the the small character developments that you get with some of the side characters
1: yeah it felt like they were taking a page from previous iterations of star trek oh easily yeah and i did appreciate this little break in the delving into the socio-political uh, because when it comes to star trek I love when the writers use relevant political discussion in the real world as a means to develop an episode and the subsequent writing of the script. The episode felt like it was inspired partially by the pandemic or post-pandemic where many of us have been cut off from our communities. Much of our support systems have been severed, extended family, friends, religious organizations, Community programs, cultural and ethnic organizations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and there was also a statement being made about the recent growing divide in America felt felt uh, felt many other places as well, not just America, and how it affects communication, our lives, our communities, and society as a whole, and how all this prevents us from finding the common ground needed in order to move on and mature as a culture.
0: Yeah. And how the beautiful thing do it also was like the Kovach scenes. Now, my one of my favorite characters from like past seasons returns in this episode with Kovach and some of the dialogue he says, dude, it feels like it's that atypical Star Trek character that's telling you, hey, this is what it's all about and everything else without there's, suddenly poking you in the there, face. There's subtext. There's subtext yeah. with his dialogue. And I loved it, And especially in all of his scenes is where he's talking about like holograms. It, it takes more than just holograms for a person to learn. Yeah. And I'm like, going, how can you parallel that to today's world where people are so attached to, you know, the artificial way
1: of meeting people? Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> that there is a lot in this episode. Yes. A lot of good stuff. And I'll be honest, Dave, this episode actually made me reevaluate the season so far. And by doing so, I've noticed a more direct intent and purpose behind the socio political discourse. They are allusions to the issues of Brexit, which is, of course, the name that's used for the United Kingdom's withdrawal from the European Union. Yes. And despite what some of the naysayers are saying, this was an excellent example of Star Trek being used to dissect social issues and social anxiety. Yeah. I saw so many people bitching about this episode, but I feel like they are all missing the point. And by doing so they're missing the excellence of the episode and we will go over some of the negative comments at the end of the discussion because I'd like to address a few of them if we have time I don't want to go over 60 minutes so if we have time I want to get into those yeah because I would like to offer a a rebuttal to these comments and also it's nice to bring in I suppose uh, a little bit of negativity sometimes not from us but uh, but from others so that we can um leverage our perspective a bit mm-hmm. because you and I tend to be positive even when we don't like something in a specific episode we, we specific don't start series. shitting all over it. Exactly. Yeah and I feel like that's the new default for a lot of not just Star Trek fans. I don't want to throw this on the backs of Star Trek fans like it's their problem. It's fandom in general.
0: It's But it's turning into that because like there comes there comes a time when sheer ignorance and basically saying, I'm not going to watch this because I hate something else that has nothing to do with this series. And it's like stuff like that is what irritates me. And unfortunately that's a majority of thought process nowadays with a lot of the fans. Yeah. Because of one, because of one separate series or a separate episode, it ruins the entire, you know, fandom suddenly. Or f- yeah. entire franchise, yeah, and that shouldn't be the case because every franchise has their redheaded stepchild, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it was Deep Space Nine for many years, and now it is uh, Discovery. Enterprise. No, it's not. It, it, I don't. I would even say maybe it was Enterprise, but now but I now think, it's Discovery. I think it's Discovery, think it's and it's maybe disagree. in ten years people will look back and say, "Hmm, Discovery's not as bad." Now I'm not saying Discovery's perfect because it's not. It has some issues, but yeah. I'm also objective enough to look past some of the issues that I may have as a whole with the show. And I can say when an episode is really well done, and this is one of those episodes, this episode is without trying to sound hyperbolic, Dave, maybe I shouldn't say this. No, go ahead. I I feel (laughs) like this episode is the single greatest episode of Star Trek Discovery to date. Discovery? Of Discovery to date and that's saying a lot because I love season 2 but I feel like when you're just isolating individual episodes and breaking them down based on what they have, on their academic merits now I'm not saying this episode is the best written but in the way of Star Trek dissection, the way Star Trek writers dissect politics we have not had an episode Of discovery quite like this there's a lot of identity politics and there's some soapboxing at times but nothing like this that is concise yes and
0: and not and concise and uh,
1: I don't want to say professionally written but basically like it's someone that understands politics and the political landscape and knows how to expertly Find a way to interweave that relevance into an episode of Discovery.
0: And make it digestible for the audience. Yes. You know? And, like, when I see this episode, it reminds me of... Say an issue of Star Trek Year Five in the early day, the the earlier parts of Star Trek Year Five, which
1: is an IDW comic book series.
0: And me and you in the past have have covered that series and have stated
1: it's very good.
0: It's very good, and it's written like a TV show. Yeah, and it's written intelligently. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I get the vibes of that in this. I would agree because it's the writing here is so nicely done and it's subtle. It's smooth. If you were to just sit down as a normal average day, Joe, just watching this, you won't feel like you're getting smacked in the face. You're just going to be watching through it and saying, Oh, okay, this is cool. This is cool. But for like people like me and you, um, who like to dissect things, we can watch this episode multiple times and, I've actually found myself watching this episode more and more and more. And I haven't done that in a while for
1: discovery. Yeah. Well, Dave, at least you ha- I can look past your own opinions. Cause I know you're not the biggest fan no. of yeah. Kurtzman in general. And I'm more of the, the one who's willing to look past some of the issues and, give star trek its props when it or discovery when it deserves it and you're more of a lower decks and prodigy guy Prodigy and, that, guy, yeah. and that's fine i like both of those as well <laughs> but you are willing to look objectively when need be when need be and, yeah. and that's the difference between you and some of the fandom trolls because i don't get the the complaints on this episode i read several comments <laughs> they're like This is the worst episode of Discovery today. (laughs) And I'm like going, I don't know. I don't see how. One guy wrote, I get it, Brexit. So lazy, who gives a fuck? I'm like, wait a second. Okay, I'm glad you can pick out the potential inspirations for Brexit. But it's not that they're simply using potential inspirations from Brexit. They are using, yes, those inspirations, but they're showing what happens when you... Let me find the best way of phrasing this. It's about the aftermath of a decision like Brexit as opposed to simply paralleling and trying to make a statement on Brexit. Yeah. Because as we know, many people, specifically uh, uh, liberals, are not keen on, on the United Kingdom's withdrawal from the European Union. Yes. So that's why many people who may have a conservative flair, they are not happy with the Brexit inspirations, but it doesn't matter uh, that they're using it. It matters what they do with it and what or how they shape the series moving forward. And the issues of Navarre, Vulcan, essentially breaking away from Federation is a very vital part of Star Trek history now. Mm -hmm. And to use an issue like Brexit and show what isolation does to a society it creates mistrust it prevents people from progressing as a civilized culture yes. so there's it's not about the simple easy lazy parallels to brexit it's about what happens afterwards yeah the aftermath of it the effects on on the culture the effects on the individual and these are the
0: honestly these are the same people who complain that they want their Star Trek suddenly to have... If, if Star Trek were to just be an action-packed episode, like action, 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 they would complain, there's not enough sub subtext, and there's not enough narrative play here.
1: I, I honestly think these people don't even understand that these same types of things were used in Rick Berman's Star Trek.
0: Exactly. This is how Star Trek is. Star Trek episodes have to actually feel like they're telling you something.
1: For example, do you think people would be mad that the introduction of the Cardassians in TNG in many ways was inspired by the fall of communism in Russia and the, yes. and the aftermath that followed or, or the Borg was a blistering discourse on liberal individualism versus collectivism or D space nines, Bejor slash Cardassian occupation, Israel, Versus Palestine. And and you you want to get mad at that then? Because all those things are there. This isn't new. This is Star Trek discovery being Star Trek and pulling those relevant pages from current developments and using it to shape their story. Yeah. And I guarantee you that if you were to actually get into an
0: argument with someone who's basically making this argument about discovery they would not, it's, it's a battle of ignorance because the, all they see is like, well, it's not my Star Trek. Okay.
1: Well, it, it's not your Star Trek now, but eventually if you allow if, it, you allow it, if you, it could be your Star there's Trek. There's moments for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so let's officially start sorting through everything. What ultimately helped this episode stand tall was the decision by the writing room to let some time go by, which that's always a that's always a good call, in my opinion, especially with a serial, because you're boom, boom, boom chronologically, you don't really have a time to rest. And I, I'm talking allowing our characters to rest. And when you don't allow them to rest, sometimes your arcs aren't quite arcs, character arcs, when they're written. That's the downfall of serials. But when you allow couple weeks, a month to go by between episodes, even though it is a serial still, you allow a a potential reflection or retrospection that we may not be privy to, but we know it happens because we understand human nature. Yeah. And that's why things like that works. You know, letting these issues of the crew, the the DMA, the issues of the Navarre Federation membership, it's it, it gave us something that serialized television doesn't always do. do. You know they allowed time to go by events scenarios without us necessarily necessarily being privy to it and the benefits of this is what is what gave us the scenes with book and tilly specifically without that time gap we would we'd essentially be dealing with an episode with issues far too similar to the previous episode because not enough time has changed or has gone by to to create any type of retrospection that would create change in Tilly to where she can kind of pinpoint her potential problems when it comes to purpose and book's emotional state.
0: And that's one of the things that I pulled out of, like, when I looked at the criticism of this episode. And one of the things that people were harping about is, like, oh, look, here's Discovery again, constantly harping on the sadness and depression of everything. And they point out book story. I'm like, he lost his family and his planet. Do you really think? Yeah,
1: I know that. I, I, I read after that, one I read episode, that, David. I think I read the exact yeah, same comment.
0: He, do
1: you really think he's going to be all happy go lucky? Well, suddenly the next episode. Okay, tell me if that's the same comment because underneath that comment, someone wrote, "If book cried about being assimilated for five episodes after being assimilated I would, have, I would have quit watching TNG as well first off that is old school television so certain things that were acceptable then like Kirk falling in love yeah. and then the love of his life being killed And then he goes back to his timeline and acts like nothing has changed, even though moments prior he was devastated. Yes. Picard being assimilated. And then like two or three days later, he's fine. Now, yes, he's fine two or three episodes later. But that's a part of Picard that was always, always was a part of him and then helped. Future writers shape stories around that. In fact, the series of Picard was based on a lot of those PTSD moments
0: or even taking it even further. The one that everyone likes about Picard first contact. Yeah. His whole story about the Borg,
1: Is right there. He should have cried only for five minutes, Dave. Yeah, he should have cried for five minutes. And the rest of the movie should have been this awesome Picard (laughs) that was completely fun and fancy free. Fun and fancy free. Had no psychological issues. And it was like funny because I saw a comment. What what, what era? Do these people want bewitched television? Do you want the simplicity of 1950s television? Because go watch Nick at Night. Yes. Or wait, TV Land. They're the ones that do it now, right? Go watch TV Land. Modern television is serialized. And because it's serialized, you're going to have people that start off with certain issues. And those issues aren't going to go away in the next episode because it's called serialized television. Television. If you don't like modern television, which has now been a thing for close to 15 years, go watch reruns of CSI from the 90s, okay?
0: Like, do I agree that basically there are moments when Discovery does kind of go too much into the drama? Sure. That can't be argued.
1: That can't be argued. It it does. we've We've said as much.
0: But when it comes to certain narratives they have to stick to their guns yeah. and i'm sorry a man who just lost his entire not just family book should be his, fucking his home his home planet everything about him every, Listen, not, everything about his culture
1: is nothing a little sex could not fix right right trolls i don't, trolls? Think, uh, right, I don't trolls? know
0: i don't know i don't know maybe burnham's not Listen, that good i know to what i sex. would do
1: if my planet died <laughs> my if my planet blew up i'd be fucking right, well, remember, right afterwards remember spock wanted to actually
0: do that <laughs> When when Vulcan got destroyed in in the JJ J. Abrams movie.
1: Well, that's because he's awesome.
0: Because <laughs> he had to repop, pop, uh repopulate the Vulcan uh yeah. civilization. But like Come here, Uhura. for Book, it's like, yeah, he's still gonna be like that. That's called that's
1: called honest to God depression. <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, listen. Maintaining someone's emotional story arc. Is different than continually falling into the melodramatic. Yeah, and I am not against melodrama. Melodrama is what most TV is governed by today. It's a genre of television and film that used to be a, it used to be a considered a female genre. I want to say in the fifties and sixties, it has evolved and become something entirely different it's used for a lot of television especially in this serialized era and when people throw, listen, if you don't like that, that's fine. That's fine. But don't throw that on Discovery because Discovery is just writing TV, how TV is written today. You can't exactly. expect them to write how TV, how TNG was written. And by the way, all you, you trolls out there who are shitting on Discovery and, and you're saying you can't wait to strange new worlds because it's going to be episodic. <laughs> y- yes, you're right. It is episodic, meaning. There's not going to be a giant connected myth arc, but there is going to be emotional continuity. Exactly. That's exactly what the showrunner said. The showrunner said, we're not going to be serialized in the sense that every episode needs to be connected to the next. But when it comes to emotion, things that happen in, a, in one episode will matter emotionally to our characters in the next because that's more real life that's grounded in reality that's how life is
0: and it's it's funny now because like a lot of people automatically jump to well i just want to watch an escape i don't want realism i'm like going
1: okay. then then watch anything directed by um justin lynn okay <laughs> exactly or just- michael bay go watch transformers you don't Those have to watch discovery movies. then just watch something else that is Star Trek that makes you happy. Just don't just (laughs) quit watching it. It's not your thing. It's not going to change. This is (laughs) modern television. I'm sorry. You don't like it. Go watch um, WKRP in Cincinnati. Is that even what it's called? Gilligan's
0: Island. There you go. Watch Gilligan's Island.
1: So anyways, getting back on track, this break that we were talking to before we digress, this, this, this brief interlude that not interlude, um, The time gap. There we go. This time gap. This This break lets us get a slightly different perspective in a way that feels more naturalistic. It takes time to understand your problems. As I had said a few moments ago about Tilly and book time is needed for proper introspection. And we saw this with Tilly and book Tilly specifically. uh, Her trajectory, meaning where she'll be by the end of the season has changed completely. Her desires have changed, her experience on board the discovery and the recent universe splitting events has caused her to look inward and question her purpose and intent. What does she want to do with her life? Yes. I like this bit because in real life, similar situations cause many people to reflect and reevaluate. When big life changing elements, aspects disrupt our life, what do we do? Do we continue on as if nothing happened? No. Most people, the wise person, will sit and reflect. And typically, due to a type of existentialism that sometimes grips us and takes over us, when life-changing things throw our life through a loop, we are willing to reevaluate decisions we've made. Yeah. And I feel like that's why Tilly's story really popped for me in this episode. Oh, yeah. This introspection has shown Tilly that she no longer needs to do things that weren't meant to prove her mother wrong. Yes. I thought that was a great aspect of Tilly's characterization and overall character arc because this is something that's governed her her storyline since day one. The issues with her mother. Now with her mother 900 and some years in the past, no longer a factor, she can now do things for herself. And
0: it, it brings it to question even further with that scope of that question. Well, what the heck is my purpose then? Yeah. And I love the fact that that's when they decided to reintroduce Dr. Kovich into the story. And dude, he is the perfect foil for a type of story like this. Cause his straight lace. This is the reality. This is this is how it is. Type of dialogue works great in dealing with a narrative that you have a character asking themselves, "Well, what the heck is my purpose? I don't know what to do to follow my quote unquote dreams."
1: Right. And well, listen, it, your goals when you are forced to travel 1000 years in the future or 900 and some years into the future and everyone you've ever loved is no longer alive. Everything you know is not really relevant anymore. Historically, you're going to have these types of problems. You're, You're going to want to make some changes. If you don't, there's something off about you. <laughs> and and think about it this way, also the narrative of Discovery.
0: Tilly started this whole journey since season one as a character that basically wants to become a captain, right? Well, she's gone on that route, but there's two other people that are highly more um capable of Highly what, more. Are highly <laughs> <laughs> are more, Just get rid of more are more well they're highly capable. There you go. Compared to Tilly <laughs> in being a captain, such as Burnham and Saru. Yeah. So that that process of her brain probably is like going. Well, I can't go that route. Right. Okay. Well, what about if I become an engineer? Well, that's why we have Stamets and right. Janet Reno. Oh. Well, she's trying to find her place and her purpose. And she's trying to find her place and purpose. And I love the fact that it's come full circle in, in season four with Tilly. And now we're seeing this new avenue that she's gone. Now, I, I'm i not happy with the fact at this point, in my opinion,
1: they've written Tilly off the show. Hmm. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, I have a different thought. And I'll share it at the end of the show. Okay. Yeah. Because like I see the potential of,
0: of where they're going to possibly bring Tilly, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but I wish she didn't have to leave discovery because, because her dynamic and her chemistry with everybody else has been the one
1: really galvanizing force in this cast that brings everyone together. I feel like this is just that standard restructuring that we get a lot in in the fourth season of Star Trek. It feels very similar to like when Michelle Yeoh left. Yeah. Last well, season. David, we've always lost crew members though in Star Trek. And we get people who come and go and sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. True. True. So I don't think Tilly's gone. She's definitely still, she is listed as the main star of Discovery along with... Saniqua Martin. Or what's her name? Tilly's name uh, in real life. I forget her name, but the uh, act, Mary Wiseman, Mary Wiseman is top has top billing with Saniqua Martin Green. So she's not going anywhere, but it will be interesting to see where her story goes from here. But ultimately I like everything they did and how it worked and, and the way they scripted it all, because it did feel like a very organic change for Tilly. I think a lot of us can see how she went from A to B to C to D. We get it. I mean, especially when you look at some of the events from last season, which probably played a part in Tilly's decision to teach at the academy. We can't forget what happened last year. It would make sense for Tilly to have lost complete confidence in her ability to lead. After losing the discovery to the Emerald Chain. <laughs> yes. You don't think that, it, that didn't play a part in her wanting to be a captain? She probably doesn't feel like she's qualified. Yes. She lost the ship within a matter of minutes of having command. This was another reason why I liked what they did with her in this episode. By pairing her up with the cadets, it gave her a chance at redemption as well as brought her purpose into focus. Into focus, yeah. Because Tilly's scenes were were dual purpose. Not only did it move her story forward, but it gave the writers an in to make a statement on, once again, current social political landscapes. Or our social political landscape. By using the cadets as they did, the writers made an observation on the heightened political environment we We've been living in over the last several years and the dangers of holding on to parochial views of others that are different from ourselves. The idea that Starfleet and the Federation must refrain or retrain their officers to not view each other as others or to subscribe to the notions of in group versus out group. Yeah, that is classic Star Trek, by the way. Another aspect from the Gene Roddenberry, Rick Berman playbook. Oh, easily. Th- that's yet another reason why this episode works so well, because now we have comments on the inability to find common ground amongst people who we should find common ground. Cause we do have a lot in common. That's why the entire Navarre thing popped at me, popped out at me. That's why this aspect popped out at me because we as a society, Dave, We have more in common with each other than most people want to admit. Yes. For the most part, we all want to live our lives as we want to live. We want to have access to good health care. We want to have uh, money to pay our bills and to feed our families. Those are the basic core things that everyone wants. That is a major reason why we should come together. That is common ground in the most important of ways. So when Star Trek pits these cadets against each other and shows that you guys have more in common than you even know, the, the, what's the name of the orange species or the green species? I always forget. Orion. The Orion uh, cadet. The fact that his father was an activist. Yes. You know, and was pushing against what they were doing to other people, the slave trade. That's common ground. But if you don't communicate with each other, how are you supposed to find that common ground? Exactly. And lack of communication is a major issue right now in our society.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's why it was was really interesting to me that the more this episode went on, the more I got into the story of the cadets with Tilly and Adira. Because, honestly, th- story narrative-wise, was is the most interesting story right now when it comes to the Star Trek universe where they're at. Yeah. We are seeing the building blocks being set of a new Federation because the Federation, quote-unquote, doesn't exist in this time as as well as it did in the past. It fell off. So they have to actually rebuild from the ground up Mm -hmm. and build these, these connections with other different species and try to find a common ground. Yeah. And I love the, I love at the moment when the Orion and I think it's a, the teletrite um, character come to a, come to an agreement, even though they started with this one thing that basically divided them. And then by the end of it, they realize, you know, we got to put aside our differences because we're, we're, we're in the same boat.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Which is ridiculous. And that's why I say this is a, I'm, you can say a reflection of our society, but maybe a refraction because they bend it a bit to, but um, either way, it's a matter of semantics, I guess. But, this is why that episode, or this episode, Dave, is so politically and socially relevant because, as I said, the biggest problem that many face currently in the United States is the lack of meaningful and purposeful discourse, communication. Yeah, And this has created a cultural gap that has hindered mutual understanding and relations, which is closely connected to what Tilly said to the cadets about finding common ground. Common ground. You must communicate, I believe is her words. you must communicate to find common ground.
0: And and the amazing thing that I thought, thought of, too, in this story is, like, all the characters in that subplot with Tilly and the cadets, that whole group is
1: disconnected. Even Tilly. Tilly is trying to find herself. Who was the human girl that said, I believe it was the human girl, right, that said she's never even seen another yes, alien? she hasn't seen another that alien. That is
0: a big deal. That's a big deal. And, like throwing in Adira too, who is also a very confused individual at this point, because she's trying to find her own purpose. Yeah. She was just given the one purpose in her life was to bring back gray. She's got it. And then now what, what has she got now? Well, now she doesn't know. Break
1: up with Grey. <laughs> break up with
0: Grey. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Now don't that, follow in the footsteps of Stamets, please. Now that you're back, you know what?
1: I don't want you. Get the bug out of here.
0: <laughs> <sighs> you want? You, you just want, you
1: know, Grey and Colbert to basically dump their loved ones, don't you? <laughs> yes, because, no, because I don't dislike Grey. I, I, I don't really connect with the character yet because I don't think there's been a lot given to the character. Uh, whereas I like Adira. I actually consider myself an Adira fan. I think she has a meaningful purpose in the show. Whereas Gray's purpose is like what? What what is your <laughs> what fucking is your purpose, purpose now other than to make a statement on on the new perspectives of what a family unit is. should be as opposed to the classical conservative outlook on the nuclear family that's what they were trying to do last season and it felt so fucking flimsy it, it fell flat dude so it bad. was so flimsy this is my family you don't <laughs> know <told> them, them. <laughs> you, you go out the airlock now <laughs> if I was Colbert I'd be like dude you are emotionally damaged <laughs> Like, what is wrong? This, you don't, this is not your family. I'm your family. You don't know them. <laughs> I don't want these little shits being my responsibility. See, Stamets is lucky that you're not Colbert Yeah. Because you would just basically, like, be slapping him constantly. I, dude, if I was Colbert and dating Stamets, I'd be like, dude, this is going to mess into our sex time, okay? Having these <laughs> these little whippersnappers run around. What, I don't wanna, crazy? I don't want to claim orphans. <laughs> Put them in a holiday program like Sakal and call it a day. <laughs> Yeah, so getting back on track, not only is everything we have been talking about pertaining to Tilly and the cadets and the issues of communication, not only is this relevant in today's world, but it's also a great way to flesh out the current fictitious political landscape of Star Trek. And David, this is what I've been asking for since last season. Do you remember when, no, season two. What did I say if you remember Going into season three, because you know how we do our speculations and potential wants at the end of the season. And we did that during season two, during the finale discussion. And I had said, the thing that I want, if we're moving a thousand years into the future, I want to relearn. Is that the right way to say that? I want to relearn about the Federation. What is it like a thousand years into the future? Yeah. And in season three, they didn't really get into it. They said, We have been isolated, we've been disconnected, but that's about it. We don't really know anything about Cardassia, the Klingons. uh, It
0: was a very broad look at the universe. We
1: don't know really how everything works together. So when we have something like this in an episode, how much did we learn in this episode? Think about it. We learned about the Bajoran, human, Cardassian piece we had speculated on because the president yeah we learned through the cadets that these people were way more disconnected and isolated than we had originally thought oh yeah the fact that a human had had never seen another species is bizarre when you think about the Rick Berman and Gene Roddenberry era of Star Trek where seeing another species is not even a a big deal it's like oh especially on when you go to earth it's very likely you're going to see all types of members from federation planets and you also got
0: to remember that we also learned one of the one of the mysteries to me is like when Saru brings up the fact that it took many years for the Ba'ul and his the Kelpians to actually coexist and now they're like a very, they they found A way to coexist. They found common ground. They found common ground, but it took years. It took a long time for them to get to that point. Yep. And everything in this episode just flowed really nicely into each other thematically.
1: All of it worked. Okay. So on that note, Dave, let's move into um, Navarre rejoining the Federation, which was definitely a a big moment and a highlight. This was an intriguing an intriguing look into the internal politics of Star Trek as well. Sometimes the notions of politics can come off as abstract. How do you make an ideological perspective concrete and tangible? Well, you attempt to draw parallels to issues within the real world. And in the case of Star Trek, they've also got to make sense within the world of Star Trek. These issues were closely associated with the issues dissected via Tilly and the cadets. Uh, As I had mentioned earlier on, the Brexit issues in the UK was definitely a source of inspiration and a suitable one at that. I mean, we are currently very distrustful of each other, politicians like never before. So these elements designed to create this scenario is timely. The fact that the people of Navarre are suspicious of the politicians of the the Federation. But despite you know, political discourse, what else can be derived from this? We get components of classical liberalism being used to create this buffer. Uh, Burnham's suggestions to create an independent committee to conduct reviews of all member worlds is partially an idea from John Stuart Mill's thoughts on liberty, which John Stuart Mill was a renowned philosopher. Uh, where he offers various ways to protect individuals from overreaching political powers, yeah, and this is one of them it's it's basic
0: it 's basic government education that we 're getting here because it 's like you know there 's a reason why we as a nation created Congress, we created the Senate, we created protocols, yeah, of why it so it doesn 't just fall on one individual. Mm -hmm. It has to go through committees. It has to go. And yes, nowadays that becomes a parody nowadays because people like look at it. and says, oh, look how messy the judicial system is. And look how messy our political system is.
1: Bureaucracy gets in the The way. Bureaucracy gets
0: in the way sometimes. Yes. But there's a reason why it was placed here. And like. I thought that was a very smart way of actually just showing that. There's a reason why we put bureaucracy in positions. It's so that everyone can find a common ground.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you need the talking. It does get in you the way. It clutters things. But yeah. So I like that. I thought the moment she suggested that, I'm like, that's from John Stuart Mill's thoughts on yes. liberty. Yes, it you is. Know, ways to protect yourself from overreaching governments.
0: And think about it. I mean, John, John Stuart Mill's, the. I remember studying that the the thought process of like how the government works in college about that. And it came down to a simple, I, simple thought process. You do not want just two parties looking at each other, yelling at each other back and forth. No, you do this, you do this. You need that third party to basically say, Hey, compromise. Here it is. And that's why we have the system that we do. Yeah. And, It's it's so telling nowadays, especially when you look at our political landscape now, how basically it's you're either on one side and the other. Everyone keeps saying we need to find the equal, equal footing, but no one's really becoming that third person. You notice Mm -hmm. it's either I'm standing on the left or I'm
1: standing on the right. It's we're being governed by extremes. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And that's not what that's not how government should work.
1: Yeah. Dave, again, another reason why this episode was was good. Exactly. Now, this whole idea of needing a buffer can create some issues as a Star Trek fan, because we like to believe that the Federation is trusting. You know, this is utopia. Utopia. Now, normally... Going with that line of thinking, because I, listen, I know some of the Star Trek, I do agree with some of the Star Trek trolls, their idea on Gene Roddenberry's vision. I get what they're saying. Yes. But it's also a matter of perspective. I don't feel like the writers of Discovery or even the writers of Picard are shitting on Roddenberry's views. I feel like they're reworking it and recontextualizing a bit in order to fit modern television also as a way to keep telling relevant stories. Now, normally, I would be against this notion for Star Trek, the idea that you need a buffer, an independent committee because yes. the Federation can't be trusted. Normally, I would be a little miffed by that because the Federation is supposed to be God, you mm-hmm. know, supposed to be the, the epitome of the evolution of human society, And we know Roddenberry's view on his utopian vision for Star Trek. We all understand that. But this works because we get to witness as the viewer the actual restructuring of this utopia.
0: Yeah, because like there there was a Trek historian that actually brought up the idea of Roddenberry's utopia. And one of the things that they brought up is the utopia does not last forever. It goes and ebbs and flows. And it takes you have work to, to maintain it. You have to work up to Utopia. Yeah. And then when you get there, you have to maintain it. And there's going to be a drop off because that
1: just happens. That's why I like that that line to this day. I want to say it's from season two of Discovery where the Admiral, yeah, well, the Admiral tells Pike, "Yes, don't think that world building is. Is easy when he was challenging her decisions because it actually didn't quite fit into what we know of yes. Star Trek. And she said, don't think nation building. That's what it was. Don't think nation building is, is an easy task. It's there easy are task. some compromises that we must make, but that is why we need individuals like you. As she said, individuals like you that resist, help us stay on track, right? Yeah. And that's what I like about
0: that's what I remember me and you talking about it was that was the first time that I could feel that discovery was doing some serious storytelling Star Trek storytelling, mm-hmm. because you're challenging the idea of Gene Roddenberry's utopia.
1: That's Yes, David, and that you're exactly right. In order to prove an ideology or a political outlook. It must be challenged if no one challenges you, then it cannot be proven as factual exactly you have to be challenged, and that's I, I keep saying this. The discovery writers are challenging the utopian perspective, the utopian idea or the ideology of Roddenberry. they're challenging it so they can then strengthen and prove his ideas on his vision for utopia. Yeah. And that's what they continue to do because this isn't a dismissal of Gene Roddenberry's view no. but the act of finding that utopia after tragedy nearly destroyed everything that humanity and its allies have worked for this highlights the resilience of modern man. I don't think it destroys Roddenberry's vision for modern oh. humankind. If anything, it it strengthens their resilience. There there was a dark period where communication wasn't possible. The maintaining of federation principles were not possible because the world had been fragmented. Yes. Because of a baby's cry. <laughs> let's forget that. Let's no, forget that. Never gonna forget it. Let's, never, let's forget never gonna forget. That. Never forget. Like 9-11. <laughs> Because the babies cry, fragmented the universe essentially. Oh God, whoa, the way whoa, you say it. I do it on purpose, Dave. I will never stop saying it. <laughs> now I lost my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> the fragmented uh the fragmented governments or the fragmented federation. Of course there's gonna be challenges. Of course there's gonna be uh fear. And what 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 does fear do? Fear drives up prejudices. Yes. Fear drives up um the, the want or desire for xenophobic tendencies. It's it's what happens. The entire universe was destroyed essentially. So what do you expect? But now that there is a way out, we see the resilience of humankind. And that in my opinion strengthens Roddenberry's view, yeah, of Utopia. We, we get to see the building up to
0: Utopia now.
1: Yeah, and we're not de we're not de-evolving. I say we, like we're a part of Star Trek, but I mean humankind. They're not de-evolving. They they have they are still an, evol- an evolved species. They and I wouldn't even say they lost their way. They didn't have a way. There was nowhere to go and nothing to really do. Yeah. So now here we are trying to rebuild what was lost. And the people are still the same. They still are an evolved species and they want to do better and and find what was lost. So I do not believe this is the writers shitting all over Roddenberry, like like the trolls will have you believe. Yeah, like so much criticism there is now for discovery. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I do think the episode was really good. Now, David, we do got to talk about holographic furniture. I may need to <laughs> form a, an apology because I was I, waiting for this one. Now, we have been making fun yes. ever since we saw Burnham and Saru walk, seemingly walk through furniture in her holographic bedroom or her holodeck bedroom, right? Yes. We were making fun of that. Like, well, just because a hologram or a holodeck is suddenly activated in your home, it doesn't make the furniture disappear. But then, David, I don't know if you noticed this, but the Navarre president had holographic furniture. Yes, she did. I'm like, okay, well, here we are. (laughs) I may have been wrong. And listen, I can admit when I'm wrong but I will also say discovery has not shown us holographic furniture in my in my justification in my defense, I should say, but perhaps their (laughs) rooms are filled with holographic (laughs) furniture because the Navarre president, when Saru walked in to have his tea, she produced a holographic Holographic seat for him. Yes. So, We will find out soon enough, I'm sure, because if this is a thing, then it's only a matter of time before we see Burnham do something or someone else in their room. Bring a chair. I'm on,
0: beginning I'm beginning to think that... I don't everything's think,
1: a hologram. I don't think it's holograms. I think Emerald Vance is a hologram. I think we're going to find out. <laughs> we're going to
0: find out. According to the Discovery writers, everything's a fucking hologram. No, 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 no. I think Kovic might be a hologram. <laughs> Kovic is not human, dude. The way he talks... I fucking love no. him. No.
1: But like... They got to do something good with him.
0: I honestly think now seeing like the... How... Furniture and materials are in the future. Mm-hmm. I think it's more, it's less a hologram. It's more a take on the replicator technology, hmm. because like
1: expand way, on that.
0: The way that basically we saw it in TNG. You know, every time they go to food replicators, mm-hmm. what happens? Material the, the the replicator will literally make the material
1: out of nothing. Right. Right. So, and But that's it, using, uh, that's a protein sequ- sequencer, don't you know they call yeah. it, essentially? yeah. And it's
0: always been regulated to, like, a shelf space. Right. That's why they can make their uniforms, and we found that out on Discovery right. back then, is that's how they make their uniforms, it's through the replicators. Now here, I'm more or less thinking that they must have, it's not holograms, but it's a replicator technology now. It's and it's not far fetched honestly because like a thousand years in the future what would it be could more? could the replicator technology leave that little shelf and suddenly you put it inside a gigantic space hmm. the shelf just
1: becomes bigger <laughs> at that point uh, yes i can see your point however at one point if you keep replicating furniture you would have too much furniture do you think they replicate condoms like you know, Saru goes visit the, the VAR president. He's all, computer.
0: Well, remember when, you know, the we saw it in Lower Decks about cleaning cleaning the holodeck <laughs> right. area and they pull out a gigantic you know, steaming green tube.
1: Give me a condom, Earl Grey. <laughs> Grey Make it flavored. Flavored for her pleasure. <laughs> flavored for or, her. Or him. I'm not Listen, I'm not biased. Well, <laughs> Listen, I like the ladies, but I'm just saying in general. I'm (laughs) playing a part here, character. (laughs) So stupid. Okay, so David, anything else we need to cover? Because I think we pretty much hit it all. That's why I like this episode, because there's a lot to talk about, and yet we really zipped through it because it's so concise and well-written that everything is there. Everything Feeds right into the next.
0: Everything as a Star Trek fan that you need as a Star Trek fan is in this episode. Yeah. It's it just comes down to honestly not listening to the criticism out there. And actually, as Star Trek fans, you've got to ask yourself, what is it that makes Star Trek to you?
1: Yeah. Okay, Dave. So we are running out of time. We have about three minutes. So let me briefly get into some comments here. Okay. I'm going to go to the comment section on IMDb because that's always great. Okay. (laughs) Do you know what the average rating is for this episode in IMDb? I'm going to say... Don't look. Just guess. I'm going to say a six. 4.9. Really? No. That that makes no No, sense. No, no, no. That's basically 50%. Yeah, no. It's not a 50% episode. Not even... Listen, let's say they were being... They were trying their hard. Let's say these trolls were trying their hardest to be objective. At least a six. If you just don't like Discovery because it's not your thing, and you refuse to look deeper into the episode and what it's saying, or you know, look, and you refuse to look for its academic merits, then okay, a six. Maybe a seven, but a four point nine. Yeah, no. Th- that's that. That is that is just being a dick. <laughs> Because that, that is completely subjective. All right. So let me read some of these. All is possible. So long cadet. We hardly knew you. If you thought Tilly taking command discovery was laughable. Now she's training cadets and team building. That comment right there shows you that they missed the entire point of the episode when it comes to Tilly. Which was about redeeming her from failing as a captain. And the fact that she no longer wants to be a captain shows that she has also lost her confidence as well. And this was that moment that she needed to regain her confidence and give her a clearer idea, a more clear idea of what she wants to do with her career. The next one. Trash Trek. This show is being trash because it sucks. That's <laughs> very academic and that's, intellectual. Thank you for that's your thought. Very, yeah. It has nothing to do with the actors on the show. It has everything to do with the writing and directing. I fucking disagree, man. Fuck. One positive comment, and it's just another great episode. That's all they wrote. Yeah. Let me find the comments I found earlier in the week. Because those ones were fucking Brutal.
0: No, the one thing that I crack up at is I'm looking at it now. It is not the same as TNG. Of course. Give it a one out of 10. Of course The acting is more like a CW show than classic Star Trek.
1: Okay. Okay. You ready for this one? This is their review. Horrible. Tilly is the least physically fit among the members who landed on that moon. You fat shaving bastards. (laughs) She leads and even helps them climb the ridge. Preposterous. Just because she's overweight doesn't mean she can't fucking run. Yeah. You fat shaming bastard. Where is that one? I don't even want to say she's overweight. That sounds mean. Just because she's carrying a little bit of extra weight doesn't mean she doesn't have a great cardiovascular. In fact, I work out at the gym all the time. And I know plenty of people who have a little bit of extra weight on them who fucking can run laps around me. And I'm pretty physically fit. Glad I'm not alone. I thought it was just me feeling the fading storyline. Fading storyline? Are these people not are they, do you think these people are like kind of mentally checked out because they're just worn out? How I think can so. they The fading storyline? We're four episodes in and the storyline is, is actually enthralling. Uh, but as I make a second attempt at completing season 4 episode 4, I'm focusing more on the plethora the plethora of like-minded reviews. <laughs> where are the cool characters the worst episode of discovery and contemporary star trek where have all the characters with light and shade gone what what that made with no sense light and shade gone Giorgio, lorca jet reno and so on i will i do want to know where jet reno is at I do have a bone to pick with the producers. They don't, they don't She's fantastic. The narrative right now. Oh, she—they better bring her back. She was so good.
0: And I'm sorry if you're still pining for Lorca at this point. You got to get over yourself.
1: Yeah, he, he's gone. He, he's gone. He's dead. Okay. Okay. So here's <laughs> the worst review that I've read to date. This episode is like ninety. Okay, if you <laughs> can you can this episode actually, is a proper. This episode is ninety percent talking. Uh, never mind. Forget. It. I'm not going to try to re. I'm not going to edit their, their their. Is there a way I can comments. review the review? <laughs> so this episode is like 90% talks about nothing. It's not even proper English. Then all the time emotional pop up. Where is the story, dude? You're leaving a review and you can't even speak. You can't even write within the very language that you obviously claim to speak. Where is the story? Where is the Star Trek spirit? spirit. Look at TOS or TNG and then this. You get the feeling that you are watching some soap opera from the mid-90s. It's modern television, man. It's more deep. It's more sorrowful. It's more emotional. That's modern television. The next review, I fell asleep. These are, I'm not, by the way, David, I'm not just picking and choosing negative ones. I'm going in a row. <laughs> These are all bad reviews. I thought it was strange when season four appeared on Pluto TV. To be honest, it's been so long since the last series. I've pretty much forgotten how it ended. However, the previous episode were just about watchable. All is possible. Wasn't about 10 minutes. in. I fell asleep and woke up about 10 minutes before the end. You may think I'm not speaking correctly, Dave, but I'm actually reading verbatim what this (laughs) asshole wrote. None of these people that read that leave reviews can even, can even write. Not really. Please. Can someone else save the day? Once again, Burnham is the hero. Frankly, it's getting dull. Um, okay, let me just focus on that sentence along, Dave. Are you ready for this? Okay. Once again, Burnham is the hero. I could have swore books saved the day in the first episode. And Stamets. This episode, Tilly saved people's lives. So it's not just Burnham. Do they want Burnham to just suck at everything? She is the lead and captain. Exactly. That's what I bet. And, and they do make her imperfect. Like she is so fucking flawed. That was, did they not watch the first episode? That was the entire fucking point, the point is that she has major issues she's got to work through. Yeah. And at this point, if
0: you're if you're hating on the fact that it's another Burnham episode, Burnham's the main character. That's like of the watching story.
1: TNG and saying another Picard episode. Exactly. People, I'd, be, I'd be like going, okay, well, TNG is
0: just another Picard episode after another Picard episode. <laughs> or here's the thing, you know, Star Wars, uh, let's jump the sh- jump to the other side, Mike. It's like saying, you know, I hate Star Wars because all I see is Luke Skywalker. <laughs> it's so bad.
1: Th-
0: that rationale is so ignorant in my opinion.
1: Okay. Because- so Dave, the next one, you ready? this is the last one. I can't take these. You can't take it anymore? How is this Star Trek? This season is so bad that after using IMDB for 10 plus years, I had to register just to say that this is not a Star Trek in any way. The essence of space adventure show is as far away as possible. Again, I'm reading exactly as they wrote it. It feels like showrunners are in a contest to make the worst episode of Star Trek. Oh, my God. And they spell that as OMG. I've always thought that sci fi should allow viewers to dream of a better future, give a sense of adventure, and stuff like that. Well, I think you need to um, study science fiction as literature, and you realize that science fiction, more often than not, is, actual, is actually a form of cultural text. Science fiction's always been used to further political discourse and to dissect social issues. Science fiction specifically has been one of those lead genres that have always been used for that. So this person doesn't even understand the very genre that they're claiming they know. So OMG, I've always thought that sci-fi should allow viewers to dream of a better future, give a sense of adventure, and stuff like that. (laughs) If you use stuff like that, I just hate you. Yes. Stuff like that. Instead, we get this. Whatever it is. This is so much badly hidden agendas that is force-fed to a viewer that I have lost a sense of what this season is about. Is it me or are critics afraid to make negative reviews? All I see is negative reviews. Well, yeah. Not, not from critics. Like like real critics. Listen, Dave, you and I are are the first to admit when there are problems. Yes. I I, I laughed at the transitioning comment when Grays all I'm going to be transitioning into the person I'm like, oh (laughs) my my God, God." that was terrible. That was so, now I don't have a problem with transgender politics or trans rights being embedded into Star Trek. Of course not. But it needs to be intelligent. That was, that was fucking weak. Yeah. It needs to be treated better. We do say when something is weak, we do call it out. In fact, we shit all over the second episode. It wasn't that great. Yeah. But these people aren't even willing to look deep into the episode and see what they are being given. Specifically this episode, which is, which I'm just going to say my final thoughts now, I'm going to give this a a 96% because I felt like it was an excellent episode of Star Trek. You go ahead, Dave, and then we got to end it. Keep it brief.
0: Very brief. I actually, it's an uptick from it's an uptick from the last episode because I think in the last episode I gave it eighty nine. Um, this episode I gave a it ninety two. It's a it's it's a steady uptick going up because this episode truly felt like a, a
1: episode of Star Trek, and that's all I really want. I Pretty just much. I just want to feel like I like I under. I want to see a sense of familiarity when it comes to theme. And that's what we were given. I don't want the exact same show as TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. We've already had those shows. I want other things. I want things that are different, but don't lose sight of what Star Trek has always been about. And it's been about the things that this episode did. Yeah. And
0: that's the thing is like most of the... What did I say against episode 97? Yes. A 90... Yeah, I think you gave it a 96.
1: 96 that's right
0: but like when it comes to like the negativity about discovery right now i'm beginning to actually see just people not wanting to give discovery props because it's not their star trek and
1: it's kind of like well i can't help you there these are the same people (laughs) that shit all over the space nine yeah and the space nine ended up being one of the most relevant Star Trek series of all time to this day yeah. is one of the most politically relevant Star Trek shows.
0: And I'm sorry. The, the one thing that basically I've also seen a lot is people clumping discovery in with Picard and you can't do that.
1: Now, Picard is a dumpster fire. That's
0: a dumpster fire that, but that discovery has, has, has nothing problems. to do
1: with Picard. No.
0: <laughs> so no. it's kind of like you can't bring your hate from Picard over to discovery.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't be fair. That wouldn't be fair. All right, so let's close out the show. I want to thank everybody for listening. Make sure you check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Digital and Pledge. $3 a month or $5. With the $3, you get the the behind-the-scenes tier, which will give you access to all of our pre-shows that we do pretty much before every single Star Trek discussion, and we do a show that's pretty much like these shows here, but it's more casual and we go through Star Trek news, things that we don't have time to get to in regular shows. And we get into some deeper topics as well from time to time. Also with the $5 tier, you will gain access to all of our additional podcast, our full podcast discussions that we do exclusively for Patreon subscribers. And in that discussion, we get into all types of different things uh, pertaining to Star Trek, Uh, the politics of Star Trek, um philosophy the the philosophy of star trek we get into a lot of it in fact this month before december closes out we will be doing a discussion on the new ongoing star trek comic the mirror universe wars i believe is what it's titled yep and we'll be do- sharing our thoughts and doing a breakdown on that, and that will be a part of our $5 tier. So you definitely want to check that check that out. Patreon.com slash Digital. Thank you, David. Thank you.
0: Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain, it runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.